0: I love early, early meetings. Okay, here we go. Welcome out DIYers to the Shared Vision DIY Talk podcast. The DIY podcast made by DIYers for DIYers. I'm your co-host Spencer Bardsley alongside Cami Wilcox. Each week we bring you industry and influencer experts from around the globe to learn and get answers to our burning questions. Today, we're talking with Shelly from Brass Bed Manor and Amy from Farm at Eganor. You can follow them on Instagram using the handles at brass.bed.manor and at the farm, A T G A N O R. Welcome to the show. We are excited to talk to you today about old home renovations. Cami, take it away.
1: Welcome. I am so excited to talk to you guys today. And Amy, I'm so glad to see you pop in. This is going to be great. So today we're going to talk um, about old houses and, and the love of old houses and all the things. Um, but first, I want to just kind of have you guys take a second and introduce yourselves and um, just tell us a little bit more about you and then we'll talk about your houses. So go ahead and let's start with you, Shelley.
2: Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Shelly A. Rose, and my Instagram handle is Brass Bed Manor, like Spencer said. Um, a little bit about me. We bought our home in 2018, the fall of 2018, so uh, we're coming up on three years here. We are first-time home buyers, so this has been um, a new experience for the both of us, and we are learning along the way, that's for sure. (laughs) That is so brave of you to to
1: jump right in with an old house. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah, we we definitely jumped right in. So (laughs) there were a lot of things we didn't know about, but we've learned a lot uh, along the way, so.
1: That's awesome. And Amy, welcome. Can you tell us a little bit about you?
0: She needs to, Amy, if you would raise your hand. Uh, and then we can bring you up to the uh, to the stage.
1: Sorry, Amy, there's a little, um, down in the bottom right, there's a microphone, a plus, and there should be a little like hand. You can just click the little hand button and hopefully that will pull us up. All right. Let's just person. yeah. Let's con-
0: yeah. let's continue while while she's getting uh she's getting that. It might might be something going on. There we go. Amy, oh, welcome, sorry. Amy.
3: sorry about that, guys. My internet is not <laughs> fantastic.
1: <laughs>
3: That's uh, okay. Sorry about that. Um, yep, I'm Amy Parker. I uh, my Instagram uh, handle is uh, the farm at Aganor. Um, we uh, bought this 200-year-old place in Howard County, Maryland um, in December, and it seemed to have very good bones when we first first purchased it. <laughs> Just like everyone who purchases a historic property, uh, we have definitely learned a lot about historic construction along the way. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic little dollhouse for human-sized people, it's, it's awesome.
1: So yeah, yay! Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay, so if if I'm understanding correctly, and if I've kind of figured things out, so Shelly, you're living in your house while you renovate, and Amy, yours is um, yours is a second house. Is that right? Yes.
2: Okay. Yes, and we we do live in our house currently.
1: So, what are the pluses and minuses of both of those situations?
2: Go ahead, Shelley. Sure. Um, so we actually were <laughs> under the impression that there really wasn't much to do um, here. So when we first bought our house, like I said, we were first-time homebuyers, and we, my husband had lived in historic homes, but I had always lived in new builds. Uh, my childhood home was built by my parents, um, and I had never lived in anything older than that um so when we bought our house it with the sale um, the buyer paid for a new roof they paid for a new um electric panel and then we they also ended up paying for a new uh tankless hot water heater so we thought we were kind of set and really we are most of the stuff inside has been pretty cosmetic um We will have the kitchen coming up, which will be our biggest thing, but the exterior restoration was kind of taken on by me, Um, uh, unbeknownst to my husband last year. uh, He kind of just came downstairs one morning and I had ripped off most of the vinyl siding on the porch. So really the the exterior has been our biggest project. Um, So our house is pretty livable inside. There's really been nothing um, structural or any big changes inside, except for paint and, um, you know, putting up molding and stuff like that. But there really aren't any huge changes inside that we've done. So it's very livable on the inside, which is obviously a plus because we can work on it whenever we need to.
3: Um, Our house was crumbling when we bought it. (laughs) Um, It is an 1820s farmhouse. And, uh, you know, like most historic homes, they built as they needed. Um, So there are a lot of different types of materials throughout the house that were used. Um, The first part of the house was a, you know, 20 by 18 foot cabin, essentially. Um, And then then they had more kids and they added upstairs so they you know mimic the same size and so it's hardly insulated the insulation that we have found is um, usually hog hair or some sort of uh, fleeced wool of some type um, just sort of jammed in between the plaster (laughs) lab we know a lot about now um the wallpaper uh was Uh, From 1900, it was stained and falling off the walls. Um, They use a calcimide type of paint, so it's virtually impossible to get anything uh, to stick to it. Uh, So we had to sort of dissolve that, and the calcimide paint is um, waxed with, like, pastel in it, like a chalk. Um, So we basically had to scrape, heat it up, and scrape it off. Um, Every window in the house was... uh, dusty and crumbling and 100 percent lead. Um, So we had to sort of uh, do a lead abatement. Um, Not entirely uh, because we're going to be using our house as an Airbnb and if we got into a lead abatement then we would have to work with the health department um, in Howard County and it would have been oh so complicated and so incredibly expensive. Um, Not all the windows were in bad shape but some were, um, we did have some painted floors in the bathrooms, um, that needed some help as far as that's concerned, but a lot, most of the lead paint, we just painted over. Um, we had a a plaster specialist come in and I went away for the weekend. And when I got back, it looked like he hung drywall everywhere. Like, I don't know how he did it, (laughs) but he basically gave this house a new life. Um, So we also recently found out that uh, six months before we bought the house, the uh, foundation in the main part of the house uh, cracked from side to side. Um, So the owners were going to sell the house with a cracked foundation and uh, holes in the roof because of the shifting of the house. So luckily, the real estate agent guided them and said, I'm not going to waste my time with this. So you have to fix what's broken. You're going to have to invest in it." Um the other big major issue that we've found throughout this process is that the the people that we bought the house from, the woman was born and raised in the house and she's 76 and uh she married her husband and they lived here for 50 years. Um his name was Larry. We like to say that he Larried everything. Um, that every single bit of wiring in this house, Larry did something to it. Um he never got a professional to do anything. He was a major DIYer and for the, all the wrong reasons. <laughs> I mean, he, we found, um, spliced extension cords in the walls wrapped together. Oh. With um, we've found speaker wire used to you know, at like low voltage, but it was definitely speaker wire, like in the That's kitchen. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how this place didn't burn to the ground. Like it's, it's nuts. Um, But I think a lot of what I'm doing is sort of getting to know the the community around here because there are a few other historic homes in the area. And so when we started kind of renovating, we can't, there's no way we we redid all the floors and all this, you know, crazy stuff. And every wall was renovated in the house, the entire house, because everything is plaster, except for a bathroom wall that's plywood we're not sure why it's plywood. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't realize it was plywood, but my contractor said, uh, this is not plaster. This is plywood. <laughs> we're like, what? What? And it's not insulated in between the rooms. And it's really <laughs> insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, we had a historic, uh, flooring preservation company come and do the floors cause they didn't want them to sand them out. Um, that makes them have the character that you want in a historic home.
1: Right. Yeah, for sure. So um, Amy, sorry. it yeah. sounds like you're kind of dancing around. So if you guys haven't checked out um, Amy and Shelley's Instagram pages, you should definitely do that because um, one of the, one of the recent pictures that maybe you don't want to talk about is the kitchen floor. Um (laughs) no, I can talk about it. (laughs) There's a picture of like dirt with some I mean it clearly used to be the kitchen, but it's dirt with some supports. Um and like you talk about an eight inch height difference from one side to another. Yeah. Um so that's (laughs) happening. Did you fit where where are you at with that?
3: Well, the kitchen started with um Larry was a cabinet maker. And so he put cherry cabinets all around the room. And then um, it had a linoleum floor that was a little bit, um, I don't know, I can't, it certainly wasn't flat. We'll say it wasn't flat, but it looked like it was, there was like a little hill in the middle um, of the floor. And so because we're on a budget, we were like, you know, we can't redo the, the kitchen, but I can paint. So I wanted to brighten up the room and everything in the house is white and black. So um, I painted the cabinets and, you know, we ordered some new countertops and a new sink, a little farm sink and all this great stuff. And so when it boiled down to it, the cabinets looked great and the floor looked terrible. (laughs) So um, my, my husband finally said, okay, since the guy did such a great job, on the rest of the floors in the house, why don't we see if he can pull up linoleum and find out what's going on underneath. So he we, he did that, and he found hardwoods underneath about 12 layers of asbestos linoleum. <laughs> so we got it all out. Everybody was safe. And um, But what we found were there were three major holes in the floor with no subfloor. So they didn't have subflooring, but there was... N- there were gigantic rectangles of open space that went down to the cross beams of the kitchen in the floor. And um, we realized that the one side of the room was very, uh, you know, very crooked. It was much lower. So it was, uh, what did I say? Eight inches. I can't even remember anymore because we've gotten so many (laughs) estimates. Um, So we kind of panicked. And so the contractor guy that I had working here I asked him to, you know, could you put a subfloor in? And the flooring guy that, you know, helped us with everything else was like, you need a new subfloor in here. It's a mess. And we were like, well, you dude just dealt with the, some of the worst floors on the planet. How could this be a mess? We had no idea what was happening. So it turns out, so I, I have a friend who's a, he um, builds and he also flips homes and he does restoration. And so he came out and I said, I need guidance with this. We don't, what do we do this seems a little crooked and so he brought his contract his one of his flooring contractors and master cra- um uh, what is he a carpenter and this that guy was like you don't really have a foundation in here and I said what are you talking about <laughs> I mean, the house is 200 years old it's been standing on these walls and so he advised that we get a um what was he? He was some sort of excavator flooring guy. I don't know. I'm, yeah. so, I'm learning every day and every day there's a new specialist that comes in to, to help guide us in the right direction. Um, frankly what they've told us is knock off the back of the house and rebuild it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. we're not doing that cause we want to preserve the historic, you know, the historic part of it. Um, But it has a four-inch wooden foundation that has been wet for years and destroyed by termites. Um, So essentially, it is waiting to fall um, because there's really nothing physically holding it up other than barn wood that was covered in drywall sometime in the 80s. Um, There's one horizontal beam that runs through one of the walls that has some sort of structure to it. Um, there's another vertical beam, but, and it holds up the whole side of the house, but the bottom five inches of it is chewed away, so it's kind of magically hanging <laughs> in the corner of the room. Um, oh. So we did meet with this es- excavator, and a lot of it comes from, they just put um, gravel in the beds up to the house, along the entire exterior of the house. What that does is moisture just kind of hangs out. And it has basically deteriorated that section of the home, um so we have to excavate oh. it and dig down and put cement footers underneath the house, so we're not gonna jack it. there was talk about jacking the house back up, yeah, um, we were like, we have about two hundred and fifty dollars left in our budget, so can you do it for two hundred and fifty bucks because <laughs> We're pretty much done. Like, we can't do anything else. Um, And so we just decided not to jack it up and that we're going to stop it from sinking any further. So we're just going to do what we can to save the integrity of the house. So, yeah, what started out as I just want to paint the kitchen white is now like a massive, massive renovation project. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And
1: what a a delicate dance of, like, trying to figure out – like, you want to preserve the historic, but you also, by preserving the historic, you have to maintain the historic, right? So you can't fall down. Um, And, like, one of the, Shelley, one of your projects recently that you did, um, that was the same kind of thing as um, you were taking down, like, the original ceiling in your porch?
2: Yes. Yes, I did just take all of that down. (laughs) And nope. And that's
1: hard, right? Like you're thinking, yeah. do I, do I keep it because it's original or do I get rid of it? Like right. How do you balance how do you guys balance that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I you know, we kind of um, as we went on, you know with as we moved in and learned stuff about the house, we, we almost knew no history of the house. Um, so at first we were just kind of guessing with everything. Um, but there was, a closet off the porch or off our dining room, which was built on the porch. So they took up some porch space and closed it in. Um, and when we first bought the house, there was a really, we had to get a new roof and there was a bad leak in that area, um, that actually our inspector didn't even find. So I had, we knew, and, and we had eventually realized that the closet was not original. The door from the dining room was an original exterior door. So we had planned to take it out. Um, And as we did, we started on it last September. We took out the whole closet, opened it back up, kind of weather stripped the door and refinished the door. And we had realized that, you know, the water problems weren't just from the roof. They had gone, you know, down into some of the The supports for it Um, so I was kind of going back and forth with should I take the ceiling down now you know we're starting to get working on the the porch restoration Um, and I really didn't want to take it down because I knew it was original Um, but it also was covered in layers of paint and I thought to myself I'm not we have almost like a 600 square foot porch Um, And I was like, I am not cranking my neck back and (laughs) stripping this for, you know, weeks on end. So my I kind of just came to the decision, well, at least if I take it down and it's still in good shape, I can use that beadboard somewhere else in the house. So I that was kind of my like rationalization of what can I do with this? You know, that it's still original. Yes, I'm changing it and putting different beadboard up. But, you know, and I did, I kept about half of it, but I'm glad I did it because the one half that the, uh, the water problems were at, I didn't even need a crowbar. I could just like pull it off oh. with my hands. <laughs> so we were, def- you know, I'm glad we did it and I'm glad we know, cause you know, I want to have the porch done once and I want to have it done right. So I, there's been a lot of times where we've kind of had to juggle like what, at what point do you take, you know, the preservation aspect and restoration aspect? Where, you know, what line can you draw? Um, we try to stay really historically sympathetic to all of the changes we make. Um, and the exterior for me, we have found so much under the vinyl siding as far as like where doors used to be, where windows used to be. Um, so I'm trying to keep the exterior as close to a actual restoration as possible meaning taking it back to as original as possible um so that was something that i definitely was weighing on of should i take the beadboard down but like i said you know i would rather fix all the rot than you know have someone on instagram be mad at me because i took original beadboard down (laughs) (laughs) well and i mean it's if it's
1: taken care of right it will last a lot longer than if you just keep painting it and then hope for the best right Right.
2: yep exactly oh man
1: yeah that's really tricky so how big are your houses do you guys have it do you know square footage wise how big these are
2: um i don't know if we've ever actually been told the square footage um i'd say it's a little over 2000 square feet. We have, um, four bedrooms upstairs and two of them are on the smaller side. Like they would be kids rooms, probably not bigger than, um, like a full bed can fit in them. Um, and then we have just, um, kitchen, living room, dining room, um, and they had closed in the back porch, which is now our laundry room, um, and where we keep the dogs and, and have a little uh, half-bathroom there as well. So okay. um, it's a pretty decent size just for the two of us, but I'm not sure if we know the actual square footage.
1: Yeah, that is a good size. Amy, how big is yours?
2: Ours is about 3,000 square feet.
1: Okay.
3: It's definitely um, – you can tell – when you walk through the house, you can tell that the first people that owned it were working class people. um, And they added on as needed. And then the second owners that purchased it were very, very upper class. And so there's a funny sort of um, very basic foundation use as needed side of the house. And then there's a grand staircase with a formal living room and a formal dining room. Um, So it's, And it's pretty funny. And then there's like a pantry and that leads into a kitchen where servants would have brought the food. Um, So it is a funny sort of combination, like a little crooked puzzle. Um, But it is, it is really or are sort of married together. There's a back staircase that we call the staircase of death, that apparently only the servants were allowed to use at some point.
1: Huh. Oh, that's interesting.
3: Yeah. It has a lot of bedrooms. It has four bedrooms. Um, it has a uh servants' quarters in the attic. Okay. Um, and then it has a staircase to it. Uh, we haven't renovated that yet. It's all plaster ceiling and everything. It's that's part of the that was part of my original concern because it looked like it was gonna be a death trap. But my dad assured me that because it was dry, it was fine. Um, but clearly, plaster has just fallen on the, on the ground. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's a little uh, yeah. to the to the naked eye to the person who's never renovated like I was before we moved in or bought this place. Um, you know, I was like, ah, we're not buying this. And my dad was like, whoa, whoa, calm down. <laughs> it's not. <a> of- <laughs> but it has two bedrooms and a half bath and a pantry and two separate porches and. Um, yeah yeah I mean it's it's a nice size um, it's not too big not too small
1: yeah that's awesome yeah how have you guys been able to find like how how do you find history about an old house that you that you bought have Have you guys gotten any information yeah.
2: I was actually um, just talking to someone about this yesterday our house has been kind of challenging to find information on um, because we're about like seven miles from, like, a main town, um, but we were also kind of, like, a small rural um, coal mining community. That's how our, our little area got started, um, okay. and so when I went to the local historic society, they had, like, a manila folder on our, our, our little area, <laughs> and there was, like, a few pieces of paper in there with, like, some old pictures, and I was like, okay, well, I guess this is not going to get me very far. Um, but basically what I did was I used, our county has online deed research. Um, so I started with us and then I just looked up the previous owner's deed and so on. Um, and I have found back to like the thirties and then at that point, um, it's not digitized anymore, but because of COVID, I haven't been able to go into the courthouse, uh, in person to access those files. So I'm, I'm kind of stuck right now, but I did, uh, through that deed research, I once I would find out the previous owners, um, I would kind of look for them or any of their relatives on like ancestry.com or um, like newspapers.com. And I found um, the children of the owner, It was like 67 to, I think they lived here until the eighties. Um, and I was able to find their children and one of them still lives in the area. So last summer, um, she came out and talked to us and kind of explained like what the old layout used to be, um, and some other stuff she knew about the house. And then she gave us a bunch of pictures. So that's, that was the first time that I actually got to see pictures of the house, um, without vinyl siding on because when we took it off uh there was dental trim that was missing all the headers on the windows were missing um there was like a 12 inch gap um on the gables of the house where there was different decorative molding missing so it was really cool I got to see um what the house used to look like so that we could start putting it back together
1: Oh, that's so cool. Don't you wish they would have taken all that dental molding and just put it in the attic for you? Yeah.
2: We'll put this up later. I know it's, it's sad, but, and they were actually the ones that put the vinyl siding on the house. And when she was out here, she said, you know, my parents just, they didn't have enough money to keep maintaining the house. And Um, my husband and I have talked about this a lot. You know, sometimes you're caught like cursing the old owners and and being mad at their changes um, because we also had stained glass windows and those were taken out by the previous owner um, because she was not comfortable with with them being covered in lead paint. But as much as you want to curse the old owners, we've also said, well, what would the wood siding what would the shape that it would be in now because it's in great shape i mean we don't have there's almost no places that we have to replace the siding Um, it's it's still in great shape and it's basically been preserved since the 70s because um, of them putting the siding on so i think sometimes you know as much as you get mad at what the old owners do you know we wouldn't be in the position we were in being able to restore it if they didn't
0: do it so
1: yeah, no, that's that's a good point.
0: Yeah, we live uh, we live in an old house as well. Uh, now it, it's now a spring chicken compared to the two of yours. Uh, <laughs> but it, it is technically over a hundred years old, and yeah, we we kind of found the same thing. Is the uh, um they they basically did two things to the house since you know since it was made. the, the one thing they did was put a small addition on the back. And the other thing was update the electrical. Otherwise, it's like basically the same house from forever ago. Of course, they did do some things in the seventies, you know, like the uh, tile uh, tile countertops and stuff like that. Those are always amazingly fun. But yeah, it's, it, you know, thinking about that, I think their lack of doing things is what is what made the house like stay in good shape.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. For sure. Yeah.
1: So as you're updating your houses, how is there a place you can go to find historic, even if it's to find like historic building materials, and it, I guess new or old? Does um, that make sense? Yeah. So yeah.
2: I, like I, I don't know if you saw my um, some of my story updates recently. I we just finished putting some of the headers on the the windows, and we got those from a salvage company. Um, and that's where I've looked for a lot of stuff. The, uh, those headers were taken off a house actually close to us and they fit the profile. Um, exactly. And that's usually where I go first is I look at, you know, salvage places to see if I can find windows or doors. Um, Facebook flea market is where I've gotten all of my doors that I have redone. Um, and I've also gotten some windows off Facebook Flea Market, so that's a great place um, to look. It's now called Market Facebook Marketplace. Um, and then we just got started on um, some of the other molding that I haven't been able to find. And we just went to a local mill, um, and basically they can set up blades that will cut uh, molding to exactly how you need it cut. Um, it can be a little expensive because of the setup fees because it's not, you know, a normal piece of crown molding or right. it's not something they're doing every day. Um, but if you find the right person, it's, it's really about finding the right person because they'll be able to set up a blade and they can cut it for us. Um, but that's usually my last resort. I really like to find everything secondhand or through salvage uh, first. Yeah, we haven't really to had now. to
3: salvage. Sorry, no, and, go, Amy. Um, we haven't really had to salvage anything. Every we still have all the you know eighteen twenties, eighteen fifties, and eighteen nineties hardware. Um, so oddly enough, all the hardware and everything is in great shape. Um, we have a plethora of antique doors and the rafters of a barn. I don't know where they were. <laughs> we, we have a lot of them. Um, we found 35 historic wine bottles, empty wine bottles up in the rafters, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> barn as well. So somebody liked to, you know, take a load off when they went up and hung out in the rafters. Um, but yeah, like we, we've been really, really lucky as far as, um, you know, the, the structure, the structural pieces are still here and in, in place. The only thing that we've lost is the kitchen floor. Um, so that's we've been very lucky but yeah um, I would salvage I would definitely salvage and I use I do a lot of Facebook marketplace because we're running this place as an Airbnb it's not furnished so we're always looking for you know furniture that would sort of match the um the interior of the home oh
1: yeah that's a great idea like looking for period pieces yeah
3: or at least close to it and I've had a lot of friends give me things like there I have a, a woman that had uh some some of her great grandmothers uh like a, a four poster bed that was, it's mahogany and she slept in it her entire life and the woman offered it to her children they were like no <laughs> <was> like, what <laughs> crazy um so she just gave me that and um you know Man. people are, you know it's, it's nice and people are kind of they know that I want to keep it I don't want to I'm not decorating it historically accurately. Like er- everything is sort of white and black in here, just ke- keeping it like very simple farmhouse. Um, but yeah, but as far as you know, people have been wonderful about donating things, and they're cool if I'm like, I don't think that really goes <laughs> right. So they're not; they don't get their feelings hurt. That's they're nice people.
1: <laughs> I keep hearing stories about, um, like recently, I, I heard about another bed that someone was getting rid of that had been in their family for generations and i i keep thinking what is wrong with these people keep that I thing
3: i know it's a, people just aren't sentimental um you know like in his you know in historic homes my, my husband and i lived in a 1900s uh sears bungalow um oh, fun and it was cool because in the basement the like codes for like it was a puzzle these things were uh, were delivered and they were put together And so it's it was a fantastic house, but it was on a very busy street. When we started having kids, we're like, we want them to be able to ride their bikes, not get slaughtered
0: (laughs) on this road.
3: (laughs) So we we moved. But I would have picked that house up and moved it because of its history. You know, it's such a neat. Um, thing to kind of hold on to that, you know, we don't see too many Sears bungalows anymore. Um, yeah, I
1: love those Sears bungalows. Yeah, so I mean, fun.
3: the bones in that thing, everything, it was heart pine and chestnut and you know everything was glorious in that house. Like, it, again, if I could have picked it up and moved it, I would have. It was big enough for us. We had enough space and it had modern enough amenities in it that we could survive. <laughs> and, you know, it wasn't like camping. Um, but yeah, you know, like it's it's that stuff. There's no sentimentality. I think people are just like, ah, it doesn't match. I'm getting rid of it. Um, there are a few of us out there that really hold on to the to the pieces that are special and and mean something to the family.
1: Yeah, yeah. mine mine tend to only be furniture. I've realized I'm not super sentimental except for furniture.
3: <laughs> yeah, because you know you think about it. Like I, I inherited a a big twelve foot table from my grandparents. And but you know, every celebration our family ever had was around this table. You know, and I have, I have an enormous family. We have like 40 family members. And so, like, we would all sit around that giant table or stand around it, you know. So I was, I would, no one else was – they were all like, now I have a dining room table. I don't need it. And I was like,
1: what? What's wrong with you? <laughs> 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 yeah, for sure.
3: Oh, yeah, that's My dad is actually making me a table. Uh, for, so we've kind of switched around the rooms of the house a little bit. We're using the formal dining room as sort of a parlor kind of a room. And we moved the dining area into what would be just like a family room in the original part of the house. Um, Because we don't have servants anymore, (laughs) we, we don't like to walk down the hall to take our, you know, our dishes to the kitchen. So this room is right off the kitchen. So we kind of rearranged it a little bit. And so my dad, is very involved in his church and they were taking down a mahogany uh, partition and they threw it in a dumpster. And my dad said, what are you doing? <laughs> and he oh, said, we no. don't need that. So he, my dad dumpster dove and he got all this mahogany out. So he's making me a a, a hundred inch uh, mahogany table with turned legs. And he's like getting all into it. He loves it. He's a, a bit of a Renaissance man. And so he's like building me this amazing table um, to put under the lights that we hung in the, um, in the like main room so it's going to be sort of an, a multi-purpose room um, but that's I think how people sort of vacation anymore you know they come into town the big family have a big meal and sit around and talk um, so we're yeah. going to be building a little window seat and because there's a bay window that was added on in the 70s so we're gonna you know make it seem a little more homey <laughs> but yeah yeah I funny. love that
1: yeah, it's that's a great idea. So <laughs> I'm going
0: to jump in as well. So I, I, I've, I've been, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I have a few questions, but just thinking about, you just listed Amy a couple and Shelly, you've listed a few as well. Like what, what are you, what are you doing in your projects and how are you, pro, or like, how are you prioritizing your projects? I mean, is a better way to ask it. Uh, you know, with, with, uh, with all DIYers, you know, we all have to go through this, Hey, what are we going to prioritize? Uh, I know that priorities can change with older houses though, because sometimes, you know, it's a uh, necessary, like there's the need and the necessity, and then there's kind of the, the uh, aesthetic and want. Um, mm-hmm. So how, and Shelly, I'll ask you first. And then Amy, like how, mm-hmm. how do you prioritize projects, especially because you're in different situations, live in an Airbnb? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, so, well, like I said earlier, we didn't, necessarily intend on doing the exterior restoration right away um i was kind of bored during the pandemic last year and just ripped all the siding off and then it was like well now we started so (laughs) we have to finish it (laughs) Um, but we actually just talked to my husband and i talked about this recently and we kind of switched around our priorities because we're doing the exterior work which is including putting all the molding back and also painting the house. Um, and then there's also the porch work, which I mean, really they're, they're in the same category, um, but they're two very different things as to what needs to be done. The porch needs um, like all new footers poured, concrete footers um, and really just like completely redone. And we had originally planned for our contractor to start on the porch uh, pretty much like any, any minute now. Um, and he came out last week and we talked about, um, he's building us like a new water table where all of our gables are, um, like at the peaks of our house. And that will be the last of the molding that has to be replaced on the house. Um, so he has that project to start plus the porch and my husband and I kind of discussed to switch around the porch and getting the molding put back on, um, Because where we're at, I can't really start painting um, because of, like, when he's going to take some of the soffit off to the plastic soffit. So, like, I'm sure more bees' nests are going to come down and dirt and whatever is up in the soffit, the plastic soffit. So I don't want to start painting below that, you know, and um, have it, you know, just get dirty or, or whatnot. So we kind of flipped that around and said, all right, well, let's have him put the molding back, um, and then we'll start on the porch. So I think, you know, the, the best thing to do is like, just be able to, to change it on the fly. Um, which I'm pretty okay with, but, uh, my husband is hard to let go of that stuff. He likes a plan. I'm very spontaneous and I'll switch anything up, you know, uh, but so he's had to learn to, uh, how to kind of switch things around and reprioritize things on the fly. Nice. Um, we
3: because m- my husband's the same. Um, where our dynamic is the same as yours, Shelley. Uh, my husband's very Type A. That we we need a list and we need to follow our list and this is what we need to do. And I was like, right, you silly, <laughs> silly man. <laughs> you yeah. have no idea what you're getting yourself into with me, right? Um, so. He, our intent for the Airbnb was to also run it as a farm stay, um, and because the whole reason we bought the place was because I grew up on a, a farm and I adore animals and I want my kids involved with animals and working a farm is just sort of my happy place and I know what I can handle and you know sometimes animals are better than people so I'm like hey hey little friends <laughs> they always are happy to see me somehow so um, we started um, With some animals here. So we bought, you know, we have like 100, I think we have 150 chickens now. Uh, they're all in a pullet station. Wow. They're all kind of young, um, but they won't be laying eggs until the fall. So we needed to get them. So when we invite people to our Airbnb and we do eventually open, we can say, hey, you know, I get your breakfast, walk on down to the coop and grab some eggs. Um, So we started, you know, with the house, and we're doing all the house, and then we kind of had to start renovating a garage into a barn it's a it's a board and batten barn um a, a garage but it's now a barn because it has water and electricity in it and i'm so excited with <laughs> like the little things that like put me over the top i was like doing cartwheels around the property cuz it has a little you know water hydrant outside <laughs> i'm so excited um but yeah so we kind of we're switching back and forth between Right now, our biggest challenge is finding materials for fencing. Um, it's incredibly expensive and not you know people aren't willing to do it for um, that's budget friendly, and so we're trying to find you know, we're going to different mills and trying to establish you know what we can pay because I'm not spending thirty five dollars for a post of wood for my fence when I need ten thousand posts. you know so like, yeah exactly. it's, it's, a, it's a lot. Um, and you know, we can do the fencing. It's not, you know, if we get a post digger, it's fine. You know we can do it. We're, you know, we can figure it out, but it's, it just gets complicated kind of balancing between the farm buildings and the house itself. Um, so we're doing a lot of DIY farming and a lot of DIY housing projects. Um, right now, you know, where we're doing a lot of electricity and because the kitchen floor is ripped out, it's kind of the best time to do everything. So it's really, you know, it's stressful because we, uh, you know, we're going to eventually pour some sort of cement on the floor and we need to run a conduit for the electrical lines that run into the cellar that's on the other side of the house. <laughs> you know, like it's kind of everything is kind of pulled together and we're going to switch the sink. The sink was always along the far wall in the kitchen and, They had this like range, electric range stove in front of the window and the top of the stove covered half of the window. We always thought that was kind of awkward and assumed that the sink, the kitchen sink would be under a window because it usually is. Um, But it never was. Oddly enough, it never was. But now is the time to dive in because there's no floor, so we can do whatever we want in the kitchen. The rest of the house is totally fine. You know, like all the bedrooms and the main rooms that will be used are completely finished. It's just the kitchen is sort of the heart of the building. And so, and it's where everything is happening. So, you know, the well comes in through the kitchen and then the, the circuit breaker is in the kitchen. And so like everything is in the kitchen. So we're kind of jump starting these kind of big projects to kind of... Uh, upgrade the house, but also make it safer. Um, a yep. lot of the piping is, uh, you know, kind of deteriorating, it's incredibly rusty. Um, so we're gonna remove some of that piping and get stronger, you know, new, new piping, just to make sure like, we don't have any massive backups or anything that's bad. Yeah. But it doesn't have radiant heat, it, everything, they've made everything electric in here. Um, which is odd and sad because there are holes in every floor in this house where the radiators used to be. But apparently because the, um, the insulation, the, the pipes burst every winter. And so they got sick of the burst pipes obviously. And they changed everything to these electric sort of compressors that they hang on the walls. Um, they they, they heat enough, but they also used wood. They have a potbelly stove. They had a potbelly stove in here. Um, and so they really did heat the house with wood. I'm not comfortable having guests heat the house with wood. Um, I don't want any fires. <laughs>
0: yeah, my, my, might be going just a little a little too yeah. far.
2: So yeah. let, me, let me
0: ask yeah. a follow-up mm-hmm. for both of you on that. Is, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, just thinking about it as a DIYer, right? Like mm-hmm. what both of you have listed and some of the things – I mean it's just it's incredibly daunting, so uh, but you both have uh, made use of contractors in different in different points like what where is the line uh, because you know you talked about cost, Amy and yeah, you know Shelley as well like uh what is the line that you draw for yourself in uh in actually you know making the decision, hey, this is gonna be a contractor, this is gonna be me figuring it out
2: um I think that. You know, it's really all about I, when we first bought our house and we started to do projects, I was very determined to do everything myself um, just to prove that I could do it. And I think that's almost a ridiculous notion to have going into this this stuff. Um, at this point, I, I've now experienced so many different things that I have learned when I want to say, nope, I'm not doing that. I'd rather just hire it out or, um, it's all about, you know, I'm okay with paying someone if I just don't want to do it. And, and if I, you know, if I'm going to spend hours being mad at the project because, you know, it's annoying me. I'd rather just pay someone. Um, and then there's also things where like, okay, this isn't something we've done yet, but we can do it. I'd like to learn how to do it. So let's do it ourselves. Um, so it's really been about balancing that. One of the things I've learned that I hate doing is stripping doors or, or anything for that matter. I hate <laughs> yeah. stripping it is the worst. anything. Um, yeah. When we first got our house, I stripped the entire dining room trim because it was the only trim that was painted. And, um, I now just take everything to dip and strip. Uh, we have one locally. I just take everything to them. If I have a door I want to do, I love doing doors. I love staining them and using shellac. And I love that process. I hate stripping them. So I think it's all about dip and strip. So dip and strip is like, it's like a chemical stripping process. Um, and they basically have a big tank where they kind of dunk it in. Um, this is a,
0: this is a company that yep. like you just take your stuff to.
2: Yep. It's a local company. We have one in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, we do drive about an hour, um, to, to take it to there, but we basically, they just dunk it in. They keep it for like uh, a few weeks cause they work on it themselves. And, um, they get all the paint off, and then you just go pick it up, and it's ready. It's not sanded, so you have to do the sanding process and all that, but they get all the paint off, I mean, meticulously, like in grooves that you wouldn't be able to ever get with just, like, a chemical stripper from from a big box store. Um, so it's definitely, especially with the doors that I've redone, they, both of the doors have a lot of detailing, and when I started to strip them, especially because they were pine and they were soft wood. Um, uh, the chemical stripper was just kind of like not really getting me anywhere. Um, so
0: Well, you had, were probably losing detail if you were trying to get in there, right. With Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah you don't want to,
2: you don't want to gouge the wood either. Um, because pine is so soft. So I found out about, um, dip and strip and, that's everyone always asks me, like, how do you, you know, what do you do about stripping your doors? I'm like, I pay someone. (laughs) I'm not doing it myself. Uh, it's something that I've learned that I just don't want to do and I hate doing and I don't mind paying someone to do it.
3: Um, I, I I hire, I hire people according to safety. (laughs) My, you know, I haven't, we, we didn't strip because of the lead factor. Um, we didn't want to do a full lead abatement. Um, And so we made sure that everything was in good shape and then we just painted over it. There was, you know, we really didn't have other options, but with really the only other thing that's happening right now is carpentry and uh, electric and plumbing. And so I am not qualified to work in electric and plumbing. And I am certainly not qualified to rebuild the subfloor and the footers of my home. Um, so I, I do, I tag along, I you know, the contractors come here and I meet with them and I video everything with the intent of uh, doing a, like a YouTube channel, um, just like day to day, sort of living the life of restoring an old home. Um, we have not done that yet. <laughs> We're planning on it, but we have not really jumped into that project.
0: It's a lot um, of work it's tedious
3: like and you know I don't it's and my husband tries to do it and he gets really overwhelmed and then I'm like uh, I don't we'll get the kids to do it you know so but anyway I do when it comes down to who's going to do the restoration for this I always go to who's qualified um yeah, I can I can help build. I'm am a fast learner. I went to art school. I learned how to build stuff, all kinds of things. And um, my dad, like I said, is a renaissance man. So he had me kind of at the helm when I was a little kid. So I understand tools. And I understand how to use them. But when it boils down to the structural parts of the home, I do not. I pay. I don't do it myself.
0: Got it. Got it. And then when you do, when both of you do projects, uh, what? what what have you found like what tools have you found as like, indispensable now that you're you know you're in it uh and you know dealing with uh, all, all sorts of different projects what 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 have been those indispensable tools
3: Go ahead Amy you can go I don't know um I do love my little corner sander <laughs> I love it there are areas that I've had to sort of touch up here and there like on the staircase and and things like that um I don't go anywhere without a pocket knife anymore. <laughs> that wasn't who I was prior to this, but now I'm always like, Oh, I got it. You know, like, I have a little pocket knife. It seems to help me with almost everything. Um, it, you know, it's, 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 handy. Um, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I have a, a nice little table saw that I've used, but again, like right now, everything is so structural. I'm not really using too many tools right now. But yeah. A headlamp. I wear, I wear a headlamp. (laughs) It's so dark in parts of this house (laughs) and the property, nothing is lit. So it's kind of scary, but yeah, that's it. (laughs)
2: Um, I would say, well, honestly, my husband and I were talking about this this weekend because we had to go buy yet another tool. Um, and I posted on my Instagram and I tagged DeWalt. And I was like, at this point, you should just sponsor us because we have every tool that you've ever made. <laughs> um, we're single-handedly supporting our local Lowe's. Um, so <laughs> it's hard to narrow it down to one. There are two things though. One of them is that this is just a tip for anyone who's into antiques, old homes, and thrifting, anything. I don't go anywhere without a tape measure in my purse and my husband always really appreciates that because we'll be somewhere and I, we need to measure something and I, you know, I always have one on me. Um, so that's always nice to have on you, especially for antiques, like know how wide your doors are and what you can fit inside and stuff. Um, and then the second thing I recently purchased, uh, is the speed heater Cobra infrared paint stripper. Um, and it's made me be okay with, stripping paint again. Um, so I don't know if you guys know much about them, but it's, made I, by I've e- never,
0: I've never heard of it. Yeah. T- yeah. Tell us more.
2: Yeah. So it's made by EcoStrip. Um, and basically the problem with heat guns and lead paint is that, um, you know, once the lead paint vaporizes, that's when it's dangerous for you to breathe in. Um, and same with the dust. So the infrared stripper doesn't actually get the paint hot enough to vaporize it. So mm-hmm. the pro is that now they say like, you can you can use it without having a mask. I still wear a mask when I use it just to be extra safe, but you know, it does give you like added security. And a lot of people will use them uh, when they're restoring their windows um, especially because you know windows are known for for having lead paint. So a lot of the people like Stacy at Blake Hill House. Um, she's a really great resource for windows, and she talks about the speed heater all the time. Um, it's just a really great tool to have. And I started using it uh, when we had to work on the exterior. Um, I just want to I want a better paint finish. So we stripped. We're stripping all the exterior. Um, of the windows, all the, the trim. So that's been a big help. Plus it's really fast. Um, it's much faster than chemical strippers. And if you put down some boiled linseed oil um, over whatever you're stripping beforehand, it also won't get as dusty. So it'll kind of, um, it'll make it easier to strip the paint off and it'll it'll kind of soak into the paint beforehand. Um, and it'll come off not as dusty, um, as sanding wood. So that's a really great tool to have. It is expensive, but it was a hundred percent worth the investment. And what's it called again? It's the speed heater Cobra. Um, that's and it's made by EcoStrip. Okay. <laughs> that handy. Yeah. I that's so brilliant.
1: I've never heard of that.
2: Yeah. It's, it's definitely my favorite tool so far, um, Especially if it can make me not totally hate stripping things, then it's a great tool.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Well, thank you guys so much. We really appreciate you guys coming and talking to us about your houses. And I hope that everybody um, who's listening in will visit your Instagrams and follow along with your house progress because they are amazing. Um, And I'm going to steal a little... um, a quote that Shelly put on, on her Instagram. That's actually from Gilmore girls uh, season four, episode four. Um, but it says it had a long history before us and it will have a long future after us. I keep thinking it's part of our lives, but really it's the reverse for a little while we're part of its life. Mm-hmm. And I love that because yeah. like that, that's how, how old houses feel. Like we're yes. just visiting their life for a little bit
2: absolutely we're just stewards uh keeping mm-hmm. the history alive
1: yeah yeah it has a heartbeat <laughs> exactly <laughs> thank you guys so much again we really I,
2: appreciate it it was a great no problem to happy to for be here. Us. Yep.
0: so i'm gonna end it up here and thanks again for coming out uh we it was been an absolute pleasure to talk with you a quick update on our app, uh, Shared Vision. So Shared Vision is a mobile community platform specifically designed for do-it-yourselfers to start and complete projects, learn skills, work collaboratively, and celebrate progress. It does this by bringing together relevant content, DIYers, influencers, professionals, and suppliers into one cooperative space. We're getting closer to our beta testing. If you'd like to be part of that beta, you can reach out to us directly on Instagram or sign up on our website at Vision. Dot com. Thank you so much, uh, Shelly at Brass Bed Manor and Amy from Farm at Egnor. Is that right? Did I say that correct? Amy? Yeah, it's like Eleanor but with a G. Okay, <laughs> Egnor. Okay, great. Yep. Yeah, and so you can follow them at Brass Bed and at the Farm at E G A N O R on Instagram. Thank you so much, and we look forward to following your progress in the future.
1: Thanks Thank for having you. us. Thanks, right. guys. Thanks.
0: All right.